that thing would start to get agitated and shift its head around. So this is what happened. Skinny, scrawny, 12-year-old Coop said, Dad. And that snake would, would move at any sound. No response from Billy Dean at all. So a little louder. Dad. And it shifted more toward me. Finally, Billy Dean answered after I don't know how many times I had called, but he finally answered and trying to be funny, he said, what's the matter, son? Snake got you? Dad. So finally, he comes over there to see, and now my leg is cramping because I'm scared to move and the sweat's running like a river down my back, but I can hear him huffing as he comes to see what his whining son is complaining about. And he comes around the corner, and he looks the situation over, and he says, don't move. Thanks for that, Billy. I really, really appreciate that a lot. I've been standing here for an eternity, but okay, don't move. Gotcha. And after what seemed like an hour, Billy comes back with Mama Troy in tow, and she sees the snake and starts, she starts freaking out, literally praying over there behind me. But then I see what Dad has brought with him, a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Now, y'all, I grew up around guns. I'm country as cornbread. We were in the country. Dad worked as a gunsmith for years. Guns were just a part of life, and they were all over our house. And I can tell you, that a 12-gauge shotgun is not the ideal instrument for this particular situation. So now I'm not just scared of the snake. Now I'm scared Billy Dean's going to blow my foot off. Now here's the funny part. Mr. Gunsmith Billy somehow manages to grab the one gun in the vast riches of the Cooper arsenal that does not work. I can't move. The snake is getting more agitated. I'm crying at this point because things are only getting worse. My leg is shaking from fear and from fatigue. Mom's back there panicking, and Dad can't get the gun to work. So finally, he says, Son, when I say jump, jump. And I'm like, I can't jump, Dad. I can't jump. It's going to bite me. It's going to bite me if I move. I can't jump. My leg won't move. Billy Dean says, yeah, you can. Jump. And he jams the butt of the shotgun down on the back of the snake, and somehow I'd fall and jump backwards right into the waiting arms of my loving mother. I cried. She cried. Dad killed the snake. It was a great time. Now, I tell the story, first of all, uh, to let all of you know, J-Boy don't do snakes. Uh, they are disgusting creatures, and I would really like the opportunity one day to talk to God about them. But second of all, I tell the story because it's the first time in my life that I can remember of being so afraid of something that I literally couldn't move. Physically paralyzed by fear. I knew I needed to move. I knew that the situation I was in wasn't sustainable, but I just couldn't. Truth be told, I probably could have jumped backwards at some point on my own. As soon as I saw that snake, I probably could have gotten away. But 
I just couldn't move. All I could do was manage that quivering, frightened call for my daddy. Now, maybe you're listening tonight and you've been pretty untouched so far by COVID-19 and all of the associated fallout because it's not just the sickness, right? It's all of the stuff that goes along with it, the stock market and the news reports and what are schools going to do and what are kids going to do and what are parents that need to work going to do and face mask debates and politicians and supply chain disruptions and way of life disruptions and business closings and job losses and all of the other countless unknowns and turbulence as our entire global society goes through this major change. But through all of that, some of you are pretty much doing okay. It hasn't really affected you that much other than some relatively minor inconveniences. You're doing your part. You're staying safe. You're keeping others safe, but it just hasn't really impacted you in any serious way. Your finances are secure, your family's healthy, your faith is strong, and you might even have more time now to focus on some really important things like fitness or, or spending time with, with family. You see the reports of what's happening around the world and in the state of Louisiana, but other than some minor aggravations, COVID-19 hasn't really touched you or troubled you or impacted you in any really significant way. And if that's you tonight, Lord bless you. Lord bless you. What a testimony. But you know what? That's not the case for everybody. And I want to be very sensitive tonight with what I say because I know some of the losses that people in Grace Church have have gone through recently and, and the different ways that you've been touched. I want to be sensitive to that and sensitive to everyone listening. But it could be that, that maybe some of you out there tonight are more like me. And the news reports over the last few weeks have kind of started to get to you a little bit. Maybe the what-ifs have been playing on repeat in your mind. Maybe your finances have been directly impacted by the pandemic. Maybe your 401k has taken a huge hit. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've heard rumors at work. Maybe your business is being impacted and the bills are starting to pile up. You know, back when this thing started for us back in March, for weeks, I did not know a single person personally who had been diagnosed with coronavirus. But man, that's changed. Now it's four months in, five months in. Now I I know people personally who have lost their lives. Now I know people personally who have lost family members. Now I know people personally who have been extremely sick, are extremely sick tonight. I know people personally who've had pretty significant financial setbacks. For a lot of this, this thing that started in China back in November has gotten a lot more personal here of late. And it's not just China or Italy or California or Florida. Now it's in your neighborhood. It's in your church It's in your home. And as a result of all of that, maybe maybe your mind, like mine, has been going to some pretty dark and bottomless places lately. 
Maybe you heard Brother Dave's message on, on Sunday and his last point about fear really resonated with you like it did with me. Maybe you, you've come to realize that there's been a real uptick in, in fear in your mind and in your heart and in your life and you're, you're just kind of sick of it, over it, done with it. But it's still there. And you don't know what to do with it. What do you do when you know all of the right stuff, but you're still afraid? What should I do with my fear? Well, let's look at some scripture. We're going to go to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You see this, Jesus? Don't you see what's happening? Do you even care what's happening to us right now? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Watch this next verse. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it? that ye have no faith. And then, being typical humans, and they feared exceedingly, as if they weren't already afraid enough, and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? Now in the verses leading up to this story, Jesus has been doing some teaching in and around the Lake of Galilee, and Jesus had taught the crowd about the parable of the sower. He had compared the kingdom of God to a mustard seed, and he had to do a lot of explaining of those things to his disciples. And at the end of the chapter, Jesus tells his disciples, let's get away from this crowd for a little while. Let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they get in the boat, and they set out. And somewhere in the middle of the lake, a squall breaks out, and these guys, they're in trouble. Waves are breaking over the boat. The Scripture says that the boat was full, and it's not, it's not looking good at all. And where's Jesus? Is he down in the bottom of the boat with a bucket helping bail water? Is he alongside the disciples laboring with the sails and rigging in the lashing rain? Is Jesus at the front of the boat shouting encouragement over the noise of the waves and the wind? No. Jesus isn't in any of those places. He's in the back of the boat asleep. And I love that the Bible includes the humanity of the disciples here because it's so real. It's so us. Jesus, don't you see? What's happening? Are you even paying attention? I mean, we're, we're dying over here. 
We're doing our best. We're working as hard as we can, but it's just, it's not enough. And this storm is way bigger than we are. And you don't even care, Jesus. You're just laying there asleep. You're not doing anything to help. You might be the son of God. You might be able to breathe underwater or float or whatever, but the rest of us mere mortals, we don't have a life jacket and we don't have gills. So could you do something, Jesus, to to help us? So Jesus wakes up, and this is just me, but in my mind, he's grouchy. Because you know how you are whenever you're in the middle of a good nap and somebody wakes you up. And Jesus speaks to the storm, and then he lets the disciples have it. Verse 40, he said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? In the NIV, it says, do you still have no faith? Well, I mean, come on, Jesus. It sounds like this storm was pretty serious. I mean, several of these guys were fishermen. They knew their way around the boat. They'd seen a storm or two in their lives. They, they knew how the weather worked on this particular lake. I'm sure they weren't just overreacting to a little bit of rain and a little bit of thunder. This wasn't something to laugh at. This was something life-threatening. They didn't see this one coming. And it was way, way worse and way more disruptive and way more costly than any of them had anticipated. Sound familiar? But let's key in on what Jesus said. He said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Look at what's going on here. Jesus is connecting their abundance of fear with their absence of faith. Why are you so afraid? Abundance of fear with absence of faith, you still have no faith. Keep in mind, we're in Mark 4 at this point. Now it's Bible study time. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus had driven out an unclean spirit. He had healed Simon's mother-in-law of a fever. And then it finally just says he healed many sick and demon-possessed people. In Mark 2, Jesus healed a paralyzed man and forgave him of his sins. And he also demonstrated that he had a knowledge and an authority that far surpassed that of the Pharisees. Then in Mark 3, Jesus healed a man with a withered hand in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. My point is this. We're in Mark 4 now. The disciples had already seen and heard plenty at this point. There was enough substance to Jesus and to his ministry and to his authority and power for them to believe in him at this point. So why were they so afraid? Having seen all of that, experienced all of that, witnessed Jesus do all of those things, why were they still so afraid? Well, Grace Church, here it is. They were afraid because this storm was personal. They were afraid for the same reason we're afraid tonight. Because now the storm was touching them directly. All of those sick and demon-possessed people, that didn't impact the disciples personally. 
They weren't the ones at risk. They weren't suffering. They weren't the ones dealing with the daily upheaval and turmoil. But this, this storm on the lake, well, now that's different. This storm impacts them directly, and it comes at a time whenever they are personally vulnerable. And this time, it's not somebody else's situation, and I'll help them if I can. This time, they are the situation. This time, they are in the situation. Now it's different. Now it impacts them. Now it's their foot by the snake. Now it's the virus in their job. Now it's the virus in their family. And they're afraid. It's not that the disciples were bad, reprobate, faithless people. And it's not that they didn't believe in Jesus. It's just the fact, y'all, that this storm was different. And they were the ones in it. And they were terrified of the potential loss. But Jesus was letting them know, hey guys, <laughs> I know it feels different when the storm is impacting you, but that doesn't change who I am. I know it changes your perspective quite a bit when it's not just some random person that you read about online and all of a sudden you're the one at risk and you're the one who's vulnerable, and you're the one who has something to lose. I know it changes your perspective, but you got to remember, fellas, I'm God when it's your storm too. I'm a mighty fortress and a strong tower when you're the one being impacted. Remember, remember what you've seen me do in the previous chapters. Remember what you've seen me do. Remember what I've done and how I've done incredible things for others. Your storm might be different from theirs, but I'm still the same. So let's bring this home. Is coronavirus impacting you in some unforeseen and unanticipated ways. Where you sit right now, maybe with your family around you, or maybe you're there by yourself, are you feeling the stress and the strain of the unknown? Are you fighting back dark thoughts tonight? Are you struggling with increased stress? Are you afraid of what's going to happen next? Are you afraid to move, to make a decision? Do you find yourself tonight kind of, kind of paralyzed by fear? Have you been feeling anxious and worried over what might happen? Or over what you could lose? Have you lost someone? And now you're terrified of what the future holds for you and your family. Have you lost a job and you just can't see a way forward from where you are? Maybe you've lost your peace. Maybe you've lost your focus and your sense of purpose. 
you know all of the right things about Jesus. And you know you should be full of faith and moving forward. But in some respects, you're just, you're just scared to move. Well, if so, first of all, let me say welcome to my world. Because I'm there with you living it. Those thoughts have been creeping into my brain. Absolutely they have. And doing so at an increased rate over the last few days and weeks as this thing started to pick back up again. And frankly, y'all, I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of the fear. So folks, here's the deal. In some ways, I'm scared, but I'm still determined to have faith. Jesus has demonstrated his power and ability in my life in so many ways, more ways than I can really count. I could tell you stories of the times Jesus has come through for Jason Cooper. And you out there tonight, you're no different. You know God has come through for you so many times in the past. And this particular storm, it might be different. And it might be hitting closer to home today than it ever was before. But let me tell you something, Grace Church. Jesus is still the same. And one way or another, I'm safe with him. One way or another, you're safe with him. I had to choose to not be afraid today. Instead, I chose to have faith. And tomorrow, I'm going to make that choice again. And the next day, I'll choose it again. I'm coming in for a landing. I don't know if this is what you expected for Wednesday night Bible study, but You never know what you're going to get with this guy in the pulpit, I'll tell you that. You know, there is no silver bullet to fear. You can look through Scripture and see. Fear is a complex emotion. And biblical greats struggled with fear for a variety of reasons and got delivered in a variety of ways. I have pages, pages of notes that we're not going to get to tonight. But Adam and Eve, they were afraid. They were afraid because of sin. Let me just go ahead and say it tonight. You might be afraid because you know you're not living the way God wants you to live. There might be unrepented sin in your heart, and that's part of the reason why you're so terrified tonight. If that's the case, I've got really great news. The Scripture says that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess our sins. And to get that fear and that terror out of your heart about what's going to happen might just mean that you need to find a place to repent. Sarah, Brother Dave was afraid because God called her out for her lack of faith in His promise. But God was merciful and still gave her the promise. 
Adam and Eve were afraid because of sin, but God was merciful, and he made a covering for them. Jacob was afraid when he dreamed of ladders and saw angels coming up and going down a ladder, but God still preserved him and restored him and blessed him. King Saul was afraid. His life was dominated by fear because of his own insecurities, but God still anointed and used King Saul. David was afraid. The Scripture says that David was afraid of the Lord whenever he struck Uzzah for touching the ark, but God still called David a man after his own heart. Fear is complex. I'm not sugarcoating this. Not denying its complexity by saying there's a simple one-stop shop solution to fear. But I'm also trying to offer some hope to those of us that are just afraid right now. Fear doesn't have to keep you paralyzed either. Look, emotions are from God. He made us to have them. Scripture says that we are created in His image. And God has emotions. He feels love. He feels jealousy. He feels anger. And that might be a different lesson for a different time, but God has emotions, and He made us to feel them too. But since we are not perfect images of God and and live in this flesh, in this fallen state, sometimes our emotions take a place in our lives that God never intended or designed for them to have. Here's what I mean. Emotions are designed to be indicators not controllers. Think of, think of emotions like, like gauges on a car, a fuel indicator or a tire pressure indicator or, or an oil change indicator. Emotions are gauges. They are indicators, but not the steering wheel. A life that is controlled and steered by emotions is going to be a mess. Because one day you'll be up And you'll be strong, and you'll be ready to take on the world. And then the next day, you'll be down and just want to roll over and die. Don't let emotions run your life. Don't let emotions be the steering wheel. But do let emotions be gauges and indicators. Now, here's the practical application. If you're experiencing fear tonight, if you're struggling with worry and anxiety, then that's a gauge, that's an indicator that's telling you something's wrong. Something's not right. Something's out of alignment. 2 Timothy 1, verses 6-7, through Paul is writing to Timothy, I've never connected these two verses before today. But watch this. Paul told Timothy, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance. I want you to remember, Timothy, that you stir up the gift of God. Stir it up. Use it. Put it into motion. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Watch this now, verse 7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul tell, tells Timothy, Timothy, I want you to remember, keep it in mind. Use, 
put into motion, stir up the gift that you have from God. And then in the very next verse, brings up this idea of fear. For, Paul said, I actually looked that up today. Looked it up in, in the Greek. For, indeed, because, seeing that, therefore, use your gift, Timothy is what Paul's saying, because God, use your gift, because God has not given you a spirit of fear. Don't let your, your gift be, be crippled by fear, Timothy. Don't let your gift be paralyzed by fear. Don't let fear stop you from being who God designed you to be and doing what God made you to do. So if you're experiencing constant fear, and it's keeping you from stirring up the gift that God has put inside you. That's an indicator light on your dashboard letting you know that something's off. Now, when I see a light on in my car, I can take it to the local auto parts store, and they'll connect a device to it, and they'll pull a code, and that code tells them what the problem is. I know you're not a car tonight, and I know that the human heart the human mind and our emotions are way more complex than my Nissan Murano. But those negative emotions are alerting you that there's some investigation that needs to be done. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. I want you to do some investigation throughout the rest of this week. Are you afraid? Are you? Well, what's the source of that fear? Nexters, you're going to love it, but here it comes. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Get a pen and a piece of paper and write it down. I am afraid that if the virus continues, this is going to happen, and then that's going to happen. I am afraid of this potentially happening. Just write it and list it. List it. As silly as it looks, as far-fetched as it may be, as far down the rabbit hole as your mind will take you, write it down. And then, here's a turn. Here's a turn. It's not going to do you any good to, do the, to write it down if you don't do this. So write it down, but then take your list, y'all ready? And pray over it. In your quivering, high-pitched, shaking voice, cry out to your daddy for help. Take that list of fears to your heavenly Father who loves you without measure and tell Him, Lord, I confess these fears to you and I know that these fears are not from you. Show me, Lord, the lies that I am believing that are causing these fears and then, Lord, help me to replace these lies with your truth. Open your word to me, Lord. Open your word to my heart. To, and open my heart to your spirit and help me, help me to hear your voice. 
and believe your promises instead of all of these fears that I've got written down. Do that, Grace Church. Do it. I dare you. Do it every day if you have to. And you watch God answer and provide you with sources of faith that you never anticipated. He'll do it if you ask Him to. What should I do with my fear? Well, I took a long time to tell you this, but write it down. Expose it. And then take it to your daddy because he cares. Let's pray. Lord, you can see into every single human heart. There's nothing hidden from you. Lord, you know the things that have us terrified. Lord, and you know the things that we're not having any problems at all believing you for. Lord, and I imagine that there's a little bit of both in just about everybody tonight. Lord, the things that have us just scared to death to the point that we can't move, where we feel absolutely paralyzed. God, and the things that still just ignite our passion and, and make us believe that, that nothing is impossible. Lord, you see it all. Lord, I pray that you would help us Lord, throughout this week, to do some, some soul-searching. Lord, to do some investigation. To get out the good old pen and paper. To write down the things that we really are afraid of and then bring it to You. And pray over it in faith because we know that You care for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you tonight, Grace Church. I love you.